3: Welcome in to the
1: show for Wednesday from the Clarks Pump and Shop Studio here in Lexington. Senior night win for the Wildcats over Ole Miss, and we will talk about that and more today with Chris Fisher from the Cats Paws, John Hale from the Courier-Journal, and Darren Hendrick from the UK Radio Network talking about the Women's SEC Tournament, which is uh, getting underway in Nashville. Kentucky plays tomorrow night against Mississippi State. So that's our lineup for today as we get to the Wildcat news of the day. A service of Giuseppe's of Lexington. Kentucky beat Ole Miss eighty three seventy two. Nice celebration for Kellen Grady and Davian Mintz. Well, Kellen appeared to get a little misty during the pregame ceremony. And uh, Mince after the game, uh, both he and Grady came out and talked to Mike Pratt on the radio show. And Mintz just, uh, it was really neat to hear his story about how he just couldn't believe a program like the University of Kentucky's would even have reached out to him when he was looking to transfer and how much he has enjoyed his time at Kentucky. And uh, he has been such you – know, Calipari talks of, of late, he's been talking about great teams have great teammates, and Mintz has been that for the last two years and in so many ways for Kentucky. Uh, Grady the same this, in his one season here. And uh, both of them got off to fast starts, and then were able to get taken out late. Uh, with Kentucky uh, on track to win, uh, Cal was able to take them out and give let them get uh, large ovations. And then uh, afterward, the uh, team hung around for a few minutes, and they were able to um, talk to the crowd. And um, neat, just a neat night all the way around for the Wildcats, who finish up eighteen and zero in Rupp Arena. First time they've done that since the nineteen or since the uh, twenty sixteen season the sixth time under Calipari, 14th time since Rupp Arena opened in the 1977 season. Kentucky shot it well, 60%, but Ole Miss shot it well too, 50%. And Calipari, after the game, was lamenting the drives that Kentucky continually gave up to the Rebels, who were just doing a series of dribble handoffs and waiting for uh, uh, to find a seam to attack Kentucky off the bounce, and Calipari in practice continually stresses to his guys that they've got to retreat, not turn your hips to where think – of, think of a cornerback in football where you, you um, don't want to give up uh, you know the inside or the outside leverage. Uh, when you turn those hips for a basketball defender, you're giving the other guy leverage on you as opposed to just retreating with your arms up, and Calipari's teaching them to – make the guys score through you, not to be able to get by you. And so they'll have to get that cleaned up. Kentucky's uh, defensive numbers have slipped in the last couple of weeks, and they need to clean that up between now and tournament time next week. Uh, All of Cal's Final Four teams held the opponent for the season to under 40% shooting. This team, currently the opponents are... Almost at 41 percent. So if they can uh, turn up the heat defensively when they get into the postseason and uh, get that number under 40 percent, it would be in line historically with Calipari's best teams. Now the thing I think they could still get to a Final Four even if they don't get that number under 40 percent because this team is a, is exceptional offensively, and so the Calipari I think second most potent offensive team. So They can overcome a little bit of uh, defensive ineffectiveness, but you like to get both sides clicking. Wheeler and Washington, I thought, looked good in this game, and uh, that was good to see as they continued to shake off the rust from their timeout. Uh, Ty-Ty in particular was hitting those pull-up shots and runners that we saw him be so effective with in January, especially before he got injured for the first time down at Auburn, and he was able to uh, get a three to go as well. So that was good to see. A couple of other things. The Blue-White games has been set for April 9th. We already knew that, but the time has been set for 1 o'clock. We were joking with Coach Stoops yesterday that if they played the game at night, head-to-head with the Elton John concert, he might lose Vince Merrill for that game. But it's going to be a 1 o'clock kickoff which probably fits in pretty well because it's a big day at Keeneland, too. The football game will be at 1 o'clock, be televised on SEC Network Plus, admissions free. We'll have it on the U.K. radio network. So probably under a couple of hours there. That would enable fans to get to Keeneland for the uh, the big day of racing out there for the, the biggest races of the day would be late in the afternoon, and then the concerts that night. So you could actually take in all three if you want to do the trifecta. Seven Wildcats are headed to the NFL Combine, which starts tomorrow. That number is the second most in school history. Uh, John Hale's actually heading up there to cover it, so we'll talk with him about that as well as the basketball. UKathletics.com will have coverage as well. Links to the stories that we talk about each day are on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Our Wildcat News segment presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. When you head to Giuseppe's, It is a true dining experience. Live jazz music accompanies your meal every night of the week. They have a climate-controlled patio if you'd uh, like to get a little bit of the natural light and air feel. You've got uh, the drive-up window that they added uh, during the pandemic, so now you can just swing by and take Giuseppe's home with you. Go to Giuseppe'sLexington.com to make your plans for the next special occasion in your world. We'll be right back with Chris Fisher of the Catspaw's.
3: This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom.
1: 16 past the top of the hour. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington in Hamburgen and Palomar. Chris Fisher joins us from CatsPaws.com. We'll start with the Kentucky win last night. Chris, what were your thoughts on what you saw at Rupp Arena?
0: I thought there were some good things. Uh, it looks like Ty Ty Washington and Sevier Wheeler are both kind of settled back into uh, their groove after that, that two-game absence. Both I think had stretches last night where they kind of single-handedly took over the game, um, which is good to see. Ty Ty Washington, it just seems like F scoring just comes so effortlessly for him and, and so natural. He had that, that 7-0 uh, run uh, at one point in the game that Gave Kentucky some separation, but I think you have to be a little bit concerned as we head into March with uh with Kentucky's defensive intensity. It's been a, a five game stretch now where I think they're av- they're giving up an average of of ten more points per game, and the opponents have something to do with that. I mean, you know, Alabama, LSU, Tennessee, Arkansas are pretty good teams, and Kentucky was without Wheeler and Washington for. Two of those games, so that has something to do with it. But you know, it just seems like teams are spreading Kentucky out and, and getting in the paint, and um, you know, shooting the ball well from the perimeter, and you know, scoring at the rim as well. So, um, one of those things that that John Calipari will look to, to get cleaned up as we head into postseason play.
1: That's where uh, I think they can take advantage of this time that they have that um, between now and. The first game of the SEC tournament, which is likely to be the late game on Friday night, so it's close to ten days they have one game to play. So they've got game prep to get ready for Florida. Then uh, Cal said they'll have Sunday, maybe even Monday off, and they'll have uh, a couple of practices on Tuesday and Wednesday. And they don't know who they're going to play at that point, so they can focus on uh, even more intently on trying to clean up some of those things, uh, work on some situational things, all those things that um, I just think. If, I think if they get through this. Uh, with a win on Saturday, I think they will uh, get their batteries recharged, and uh, I think they will roll into Tampa and play. Assuming everybody's healthy, which it looks like they're going to be at the moment, I think they could really uh, be cooking in in Tampa.
0: Yeah, it's 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 all about finding uh, a, a groove, and and that's been difficult because you know you've had so many guys. Miss games here and there. And so, you know, I, I, I think that's why it was important to get Tata Washington and Severe Wheeler back before the start of postseason play because you don't want to be banging the rest off in the SEC tournament or the NCAA tournament. And so now that they, it looks like they have everybody healthy, um, Kentucky can reestablish some of its rhythm. I don't think it, it lost much of its rhythm offensively, but defensively, it's certainly taken a step back in the last. Uh, a couple of weeks but you're right one game in, in the next 10 days and I don't think there's a ton of uh, pr- game pressure on Kentucky on Saturday or you know in the SEC tournament I think they've pretty much locked up uh, a two seed at this point you look at their metrics across the board and uh, you know top five in the net and top five in Ken Palm and those types of things and so uh, I think they're solidly a two seed right now and you know Depending on how things shake out in the SEC tournament, could play their way into into a one seed because their metrics are are so strong. And so, uh, I think priority number one now that they're healthy is 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 getting that defense back in order. Uh,
1: I mentioned, I think I even mentioned this to to Cal off the air the other night uh, that if they can get Ty Ty back to the way he was playing when he first got hurt down at Auburn in in uh, mid to late January, uh, that. When Kentucky could be the the most potent, uh, and at that point I, I looked up these numbers going into last night 's game when he was hurt down at Auburn at that point, he was shooting forty percent on threes fifty four percent on twos, and averaging almost fifteen points a game. It was a week after he 'd scored twenty eight against Tennessee, uh, and just you know had he stayed healthy, imagine what he might have built on from that. Well, he gets uh, injured a couple of times in and out of the lineup. And going into last night, from that Auburn game into last night's game, the shooting number on threes was down to 23%. He had averaged eight points a game during that time. And I just thought last night he was hitting those shots that we saw him hit in January, the little runner, the uh, elbow jumpers, and he also hit a three. And I watched him at shoot-around yesterday, and he just went around the arc. uh, Someone would throw him the ball like a game pass, and he would take shot after shot after shot at the three-point line, and he was just ripping the nets. So I think he is uh, uh, getting pretty close back to his old self.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think when you look at Oscar Shibway, I think he's, you know, unquestionably the, the heart and soul of, uh, of this team, and you know, probably the, the the most valuable player. But I think in so many ways, Ty Ty Washington is is the most important player for this team because he changes the dynamic offensively uh, when he's on the floor. He when he's healthy, and you could you could tell after the Auburn game, you know, not being a hundred percent, and you know, kind of tweaking that ankle. In the Tennessee game, and he—you could tell his shot was just a tick off, his rhythm was just a tick off, and uh, it looked like he got that back uh, against Ole Miss last night. You mentioned, you know, him coming across uh, those screens and, and hitting the pull-up jumpers and those floaters in the lane, and um, his his three, his form is is is, is really really pure, and so um, he had four assists last night, three steals, and so he really. Uh, gives this team a completely different dynamic offensively that I think they're going to need in the NCAA tournament because, you know, I don't think this is John Calipari's best team uh, from a defensive standpoint. They really don't have that rim protector that John Calipari is used to having, and so I think there's going to be games where Kentucky's simply just going to have to outscore the other team. I know that's probably not the way John Calipari prefers it, but uh, I think you're going to see, you know, maybe one or two of those instances in the NCAA tournament, and so uh, this team is is certainly clicking on all cylinders when when Taty Washington is is healthy and has it rolling.
1: We'll continue with Chris Fisher when we come right back. It's the Leach Report. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington, and coming up in the second half of the show, it's John Hale and Darren Hendricks.
3: Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Chat with
1: Chris Fisher, Catspaws.com, and uh, I'm going to go back to something you were just talking about, uh, Chris, with uh, Kentucky not having that rim protector; they don't have that uh, lockdown uh, defender like a DeAndre Liggins either on this team. It's got to be a collective. Think like an offensive line working together. The five guys. It's got to be a collective effort defensively, I think. Uh, to your point, the fewest block shots at this point through 30 games of the Calipari era, through 30 games of this season, this team has the fewest blocks but the second most steals of any Calipari team. So those are not the, the numbers that are typical Uh, of his teams so i think this is more of a of an offensive team you know if that 15 team for instance was a defensive team i think this is more of an offensive team so i think you're right there that that's where their strength is that's where getting out and and running more with wheeler getting back to full strength actually helps their defense because i think they run into the legs of the opponent with what they do offensively
0: yeah I, i think that's right and um you know it positional defense goes a long way this this you know this team doesn't have a defensive star although you know oscar she you know he's right around 50 blocks and 50 steals uh for the season but um you know he's been allowing some points in the paint uh in recent games as well but positional defense you know goes a long way playing hard on the defensive end and you know making guys earn it goes a long way and i think if kentucky can you know kind of get their rotations down a little bit i think that will help and John Calipari spoke last night about you know Damian Collins being a a difference maker in the NCAA tournament and how you know it could be a Marcus Lee type of situation where you know if he doesn't have a big game maybe Kentucky doesn't advance and you saw him trying to find minutes for Damian Collins last night and you know said he's really responded well to uh, the the lack of playing time over the course of of the season but he's a guy that I think uh, could you know, come in and give Kentucky a defensive spark off the bench. He, You know, even if he can't block a shot with his length and athleticism, uh, certainly has the ability to to change them and intimidate them around the rim. And so um, definitely think John Calipari trying to get extra minutes for, for Bryce Hopkins, for Damian Collins, get those guys ready for, for postseason play in case, you know, a situation comes up where they need either of those guys to contribute.
1: Yeah, I think the SEC tournament, if they get three games – uh, down in Tampa could be very beneficial to what you're talking about because I suspect, uh, if you're Calipari, <laughs> to your point, I think they are no worse than a two-seed no matter what happens. So they could, you know, he could he could kind of commit in his own mind to playing Hopkins and Collinsborn If you lose, it's not that big a deal. Uh, and if you get three games out of it and, and along the way get those guys feeling good about themselves for the big tournament, you've accomplished something significant.
0: Yeah, and I think... You know, I think you've seen the deliberate effort from Cal and the media as well. They really try to, you know, pump those guys up. And you know, we saw the the effect Bryce Hopkins can have offensively. And I don't think they have anybody else quite like him on the roster. I mean, you have Keon Brooks and uh, Jacob Toppin that kind of hold down that you know that three four spot. But he's another guy like Ty Ty Washington who can create his own shot. We saw him, you know, kind of get in the lane. And usually it's it's comes via a mismatch at that 3-4 spot where he can take a bigger guy out on the perimeter and, and go by him or take a smaller defender in the post. And he's really physical. He's got a big body and uh, can create shots via offensive rebounds as well. And so I definitely think there are spots in the rotation for both of those guys as we head down the stretch, especially if it's a night where, you know, Keon Brooks or Jacob Coppin maybe don't don't have it going.
1: Chris Fisher, catspaws.com, at Chris Fisher 24 7 on Twitter. Thank you. All right, you bet. Thanks. Our show coming to you from the Clark's Puppet Shop Studio. Fresh or a friendly service. And you get a clean, well lit store at Clark's. And you get fantastic food too at the Clark's Cafe. The crispy, crunchy fried chicken, A breakfast sandwich. We sound good about right now. stop in to fill up your vehicle. So return, refresh, and refuel at Clark's Puppet Shop. A big upset in high school basketball last night for the boys' side. Henry Clay took out the favor in the 11th region. Lexington Catholic did it convincingly. 70 to 58. John Hill join us. We come right back.
3: Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Second half of the Leeds Report for a Wednesday. And we welcome in John Hale from courier-journal.com, who uh, is making his way to Indianapolis for the NFL Combine, which we will talk about in a little bit. But let's uh, start with the basketball game last night. John, now one game left in the regular season for Kentucky, and then the tournament will start for the Wildcats uh, a week from Friday night. Uh, At this point, unless LSU can somehow upset Arkansas in Fayetteville tonight, and then Arkansas score a road win at Tennessee, which those two together seem quite unlikely, that if unless those two things happen, Kentucky's going to be the three seed in the SEC tournament, right? Yeah, that's my understanding. I mean, I think there's
2: some weird scenarios still if that Auburn could fall back and there could be a big tie for first place. and They don't break ties for the regular season championship, but, but they obviously do for the seeding of the tournament. And, and I haven't found a scenario yet where Kentucky is, is better than the three seed in any of those. Uh, so that's the assumption I'm operating under.
1: I thought uh, Wheeler and, and Washington looked much closer to their old selves last night. What about you? Sorry, what was that? I thought Ty Ty Washington and Sonny Wheeler looked more like them their old selves in the game last night than they have in a while. Yeah,
2: I, I thought it was really important. Obviously, when they came back from the injury, that was the first step. But then they, neither of them, I thought, looked 100% at Arkansas Wheeler, obviously better than Ty-Ty, but uh, maybe that last shot from Ty-Ty at the buzzer in Arkansas got him going a little bit because the one little run in the first half yesterday where he uh, had, what, seven straight points on his own, Uh, he looked as close to normal as we've seen him in a long time, even maybe dating back to the first um, ankle injury, so for this team to, to reach its potential and do what it can in March. I think they need Ty Ty Washington uh, close to 100%. And, uh, I thought last night was definitely a positive step.
1: And if if they can keep everybody healthy, then uh, it, it could play out well for Kentucky from the standpoint of uh, that you each game you play with the, the whole lineup intact, it, it should just uh, continue to uh, improve. And so they should maybe be building toward a peak at just the exact time you would want to, which is be yeah, somewhere exactly. there in the NCAA tournament. Yeah,
2: definitely. I mean, I thought also that Arkansas game, you know, it may be even as important as, as Ty Ty and Wheeler looking a little rusty. The other guys who had been playing, it felt like things were a little disjointed as they were trying to figure out how to play all together again. And so um, last night was important for that. Obviously the offense looked really good. The defense still had some questions Saturday in Gainesville the next step and then uh, I'm not 100% convinced that three days and three games is, is a good thing for this team given uh, their health concerns but I do think they need some time in the SEC tournament to keep building that momentum and keep uh, kind of gelling together again so, they, so they're so they at 100% they're peaking like you said right time for March
1: Oscar Sheewe passed uh, Bob Burrow on the single season rebound list so now he sets his sights on Cliff Hagen and Bill Spivey uh, he Tied uh, Dan Issel for 12 consecutive double-doubles. Dan did it in 70. Uh, Oscar has his 24th double-double of the season. That ties Julius Randle for second on the single-season list. And if he gets one on Saturday, he'll tie Dan Issel's school record. And I think I saw last night, Al Tucker may have posted this, that the national record for double-doubles is David Robinson with 31, so he has a shot at that one. All that being said, uh, what do you think – how do you think he'll fare in the Player of the Year races? and there's you know, several different awards:
2: Yeah, I, I have a hard time coming up with a candidate that you know, is his big challenger right now. Obviously, there are maybe two or three other guys that are in that group, and, and maybe if they split votes, that, that makes it even harder to imagine Oscar doesn't win it. Um, I know Johnny Davis of Wisconsin was a lot of people's pick midseason, but you know, he's kind of fallen off a little bit. Uh, I think maybe DJ Liddell at Ohio State is the guy who's second in Ken Palm's uh, ranking, but the gap between Oscar and second place is as big as the gap between second and tenth um, in that the computer system. So I think he's going to win most of them. Uh, he, he might not sweep them because you know something weird happens at, at various points. It seems like every year. I mean, John Wall won a National Player of the Year award his year here, even though um, he wasn't nearly the consensus. So that could happen, but. Uh, I think it's it's pretty hard at this point to argue that Oscar's not the hasn't had the best season in the country.
1: It's uh, just amazing. I mean, when you're uh, breaking records that go back to the the fifties in college basketball for a program like Kentucky, uh, that certainly makes a, a strong case for uh, for Oscar's candidacy. So, uh, I guess next week we'll get all SEC teams in advance of the SEC tournament. As far as the the Player of the Year things, uh, I know the. Basketball writers, I'm a a member of that. I'm sure you are too. That they sent out their ballot this week where you could send in your votes. I'm not sure when the first one comes out. Is it kind of later in the NCAA tournament?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, uh, one of them comes out around Final Four weekend because I remember there's a uh, a ceremony there at the Final Four, uh, the game before or the day before the first game. Um, So it's a varying amount of time in March. I think that they come out at at various moments. But the the big ones, I think, come out right around the final four.
1: Let's shift to uh, football as you're headed up for the combine. We'll talk about that in a second. But first, uh, what were your takeaways from the uh, Mark Stoops uh, presser yesterday and also the ones for the new assistant coaches?
2: Yeah, I mean, I thought they were all impressive in terms of winning the press conference. Uh, doing, uh, we, we knew that Mike Stoops obviously has that kind of experience. as a former Division One head coach uh, at the Power Five level, doing a lot of interviews and press conferences of those things. So that that was no surprise. But the other two guys from the NFL, you know, it's always kind of hit or miss as to you know how much media they do at that level. A lot of you know, varying franchises have different rules about what their assistant coaches talk. So to hear both of those guys and you know, see them uh, kind of really easily convey their message. I thought that was, you know, that that stuff's important. It's not a huge deal, obviously. It's not going to as important as winning games or anything like that. But it is big for recruiting and putting that public face forward. So uh, I thought particularly with Rich uh, Scangarello, the new offensive coordinator, uh, to hear his kind of vision for the offense, talk a little bit about you know the things that are the same for William Cohen's offense, but you know there will be some some minor tweaks and just his kind of overall philosophy. I thought that was all very interesting. And then uh, Zach En are the offensive line coach. It's easy to see you know why people make that comparison with John Schlarman, who he obviously worked with for one year early in his career as a GA. Uh, he has the Kentucky roots. Uh, it feels like that's kind of it was just the perfect storm higher, and it's and it's easy to see after talking to him yesterday why Mark Stoops went that direction.
1: You mentioned the the slight changes from Liam's system to uh, Coach Cangarello. What were the, the tweaks or changes he talked about? Was it verbiage or beyond that? I, I think it's going to be
2: good to see what he and, and Jens are together do in terms of that outside run that outside zone run scheme. That was something that Liam talked a lot about when he got here, but I just don't think they had the personnel uh, to run it you know, some, but, but a lot of times they were back with the inside zone runs that they had used before. It feels like this year with the new coordinator, the, the, the 49ers are, are, were very heavy on that uh, with an offensive line coach who obviously is, is very familiar with it and knows how to teach that, uh, that part of the offense. I think that's going to be a big emphasis. And it probably helps, too, honestly, that you know because there's such a point of transition on the offensive line, you're bringing in new starters anyway at that three spots. Um, that it feels like a, a nice you know moment to, to really implement that part. So I think that's part of it. And then, obviously, there is going to be a little bit of different terminology in the way they talk about things. But it sounded like that maybe Mark will have uh, Rich maybe adjust his terminology closer to what the players are familiar with more than vice versa. So it'll be interesting over spring practice to see how that goes.
1: Let's transition to the combine up in Indy where you're headed. And when Larry Warford got drafted on the Rich Brooks tenure, I want to say it had been close to 20 years since Kentucky had had an offensive lineman drafted. Uh looks like they're going to get maybe three draft picks out of this one class, right?
2: Yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, obviously Darian Kennard's the headliner, um, I don't think he's going to go in the first round, but you know, it seems like a pretty safe lane in the second round at this point. and We'll see whatever team takes him, if they're going to move him to guard at the next level or keep him in tackle. Um, but he, he's got to get drafted early you know, by day two, I would think. The guy who seems to have improved the most is, is Luke Fortner, for sure. Coming back that extra year at playing center really seemed to have elevated him as a draft prospect. I think ESPN either Kuiper or McShay, one of the two, has him as like the sixth or seventh best center in the class. And obviously, center is not a position that you take early in drafts a lot of year. But he seems pretty solidly in the middle rounds. And then Darrell Rosenthal is a guy who might have the best, you know, the highest ceiling of the group. He hasn't done it in terms of production level yet, and we'll see how teams evaluate what he did at Kentucky in his one year there. But he's he's going to get drafted too. And so those three guys uh, speaks a lot about that offensive line. Reputation Kentucky has built, um, you know, it's it's gotten better and better over the last few years. But uh, I think this this just maybe takes it another step forward.
1: What's the buzz on where Wandale Robinson falls in the drafting?
2: Yeah, I think that might be the most interesting thing, and we're going to talk to him about ten thirty this morning. So I'll be you know interested to hear what he is he has heard from teams. It seems like middle rounds, but you know the, the third fourth round is is the projection that I've seen, but. He could be a guy, I think, who comes and if he has a really nice showing of the combine here, who could improve his stock. I'm interested to hear, because they ran that offense with Liam last year that the Rams run, and so many teams run a version of now, to see him already thrive in that playbook and in that Cooper Cup role, uh, how much does that, you know, help his stock? Are one of those teams going to look at Wandell and say, well, we, we know that he can run this offense. We know what he can do and, and draft him there. Uh, yeah, you know, maybe Liam Cohen talks to the Rams into taking him. They already obviously have Cooper Cup, but you can always use another receiver. So um, I think that that only can help Wandell this week.
1: Yeah, they certainly could have used another one in the Super Bowl. They got they got the win, but they were really thin at uh, at receivers. That game played out with injuries for them. Um, John, thank you much. Safe travels, and uh, we'll watch for the Wandale story later today. Thanks for having me. You'll see that story at Courier journalcom It's at John Hale underscore CJ on Twitter. Uh, Josh Pascal, Marquand McCall, Youssef Corker, we didn't uh, get to them, but they're going to be at the Combine as well, part of the seven-man contingent of UK football. Back with Darren Hedrick when we return.
3: It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email LeachReport at gmail.com. Our show is served up by Wild
1: Eggs of Lexington. Go to wildeggs.com to get on the online wait list, and that will speed up your visit to Wild Eggs for breakfast, brunch, or lunch in Hamburg or in Palomar here in Lexington. Darren Hedrick joins us. He'll be in Nashville this week for the Women's SEC Tournament. Kentucky plays tomorrow night against Mississippi State. Darren, uh, what is it that has keyed this
4: late-season resurgence for the Wildcats? Well, Tom, I think the biggest thing is just the fact this team is healthy right now. Uh, And they've finally been able to get on the floor together. And that chemistry and the rhythm, the timing on offense has returned. But I also would point to the resurgence of Drayana Edwards after coming back from uh, her suspension earlier this year. And she is playing great right now, and with her inside presence, Ryan Howard playing the way ryan howard plays it's created a really nice score balance offensively, and this team is playing some pretty good defense down the stretch they played
1: uh, they played Mississippi State tomorrow night, and uh, when this streak got rolling, I believe i don 't have it in front of me I, I want to say the state game was the second uh, one in the streak, and Kentucky was mm-hmm. looked like it was headed for another loss and it uh, would it would be a one-game winning streak, and they had this tremendous rally in the fourth quarter, and it seems like the teams have gone in just completely opposite directions since then, right?
4: Yeah, you're exactly right. They had beaten Alabama by four on the road and then come home against Mississippi State. They were down 15 with seven minutes to go in the game and just finished on an incredible 24-2 to run, and Kentucky off that win has not looked back. Meanwhile, Mississippi State enters the SEC tournament Thursday night on a five-game losing streak, and State has been playing hard under their interim coach, Doug Novak. I think the biggest problem for State is experiencing, Tom, what Kentucky went through. They have seven available bodies on a nightly basis and I think uh, down the stretch here, they've just kind of run out of gas late in the games and haven't been able to pull off some victories despite playing fairly well.
1: Kentucky, uh, with this uh, run that they've had to close out the season of six straight wins, is, there, is the sense from the people around the program or things that you read from pundits that Kentucky has already played its way into the tournament, or do they need to win at least one more or two more?
4: You know, I think with the winning streak and the way they finished, I think that's something the committee always takes into consideration. Yeah, You're finally healthy. You've won six in a row. I think they've done enough to be put into the NCAA tournament just from talking to people. Certainly winning Thursday night would go a long way towards solidifying that. If they lose in the first round of state, I think it becomes a waiting game and you have to sweat it out a little bit. But I think they've played themselves into the tournament, and now you can solidify it with a win over state. And certainly, if you beat LSU on Friday, you're definitely going to be in, probably improving your seed for sure. If um,
1: the women's tournament is
4: expanded to 68 this year, right?
1: Yes, that's correct. They
4: finally have the first four like the men.
1: So if uh, if you don't, if you're Kentucky and you don't get the win tomorrow night. Uh, you know you, you could well find yourself in that that first four game I would think uh, well, given the where, where they are but uh, you know with each each win I mean let's say they could win two if they win the first two in mm-hmm. the SEC tournament they you know Kentucky could go anywhere from you know a first four team to I don't know something like a you know eight or a nine seed maybe right
4: yeah I, I think you're exactly right I think if the tournament started today the NCAA tournament could Kentucky's probably an 11 or 12, so if you can beat state and continue moving up and then certainly get a win like LSU, that's going to bump you up to a potential eight or nine seed, I think. And, uh, you know, it's the the bubble, and I'm sure it's been the same on the men's side. It is every year. The bubble is just so chaotic, and it moves so much that uh, it's going to be interesting as these tournaments start to see if there's any – um, you know, bubble busters. Some teams that get in there and win a tournament that shouldn't have, and and to see things like that. So, I, I think Kentucky certainly needs to win this first game on Thursday to to avoid having to sweat it out. But uh, it's been a fun ride to see this team get back in contention for it.
1: Chris, the Kentucky men, uh, their only postseason game last season was in the Bridgestone Arena there in Nashville, where they lost to State in the first round of the SEC tournament, and. For Mike Pratt and I, it was our first chance to do a non-home game from someplace other than the studio over that had been put together at Memorial Coliseum, so it was great to be back in the arena. But we were as uh, as far away from the court as you can get. Uh, where are you guys going to be?
4: You know what? I actually haven't found out where they put us. Oh, no. I <laughs> hope there's enough room that they put us courtside. So. Um, you know, I, I remember seeing a picture of your vantage <laughs> point at the tournament last year, I may have to pack my binoculars and maybe an oxygen tank just in case.
1: <laughs> yeah, it uh, it was pretty far up there, so hopefully you guys will be in that uh, courtside spot to hear all the energy and uh, and relay that to all the Wildcat fans on the UK radio network. Darren will have the call. What time's uh, game time?
4: Uh, Seven o'clock Eastern tomorrow night. We'll be on the air at six forty-five with the pregame show. Sounds
1: good. Have a good call, Darren.
4: All right. Thanks so much, Tom. Always a pleasure. In fact, have
1: several of them down in Nashville. And we'll be right back to close out this edition of the Leach Report.
4: Mellow Mushroom
1: Slice of Wildcat history this day in the of 2005. Kentucky got a senior day win over the Tennessee Vols, 73-61. It was the senior night for Chuck Hayes and Josh Carrier. Josh hit three threes and had nine points, and Chuck scored 13. And If you remember during the they're playing in my old Kentucky home. A tear streamed down Chuck's face. It, it was so meaningful to him. Uh, as I said earlier, Kellen Grady got a little misty, I think, last night. It was the second time David Mintz had been through it. Although this time, fortunately, he got to be out there with his parents, unlike last year. But uh, he was, you know, uh, he didn't didn't show as much uh, emotion as, uh, as Kellen did. Uh, last night, Tennessee beat Georgia 75 68 in the SEC uh, in the. Top ten, Kansas loses at TCU 74-64. Hurts the Jayhawks chances for a one seed. Purdue lost at Wisconsin 70-67. 20-point win for Arizona over Southern Cal. Villanova beat Providence by two. Western over UK baseball seven to five. UK baseball versus Evans Evansville. Make sure you at check four. out
3: the podcast page at TomleachKY.com. Whenever you miss a show, and be sure to follow the Leech Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leechreports at gmail.com. See you next With
4: Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.